0: In 2011, Norwegian adventurer Alexander Game set off from the coast of Antarctica with hopes of completing the first unsupported solo hike across Antarctica. (laughs) Better him than us, (laughs) right? The trip, it took him 57 days to reach the South Pole. And on day 87, he completed his voyage. Over the course of those months, he lost 55 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) To say that he was exhausted is an understatement. On day 86, he reached a cachet, a bag of things that he had left behind on his trip out. After all that time, this bag was buried beneath several feet of snow and marked only with two locator poles that were howling in the wind. Alexander set down his pack with a GoPro attached to it and he started digging. Several minutes later, he lifted out the bag and sorted through its contents. His initial search revealed a mound of trash Wrappers from food he'd eaten on the trip out. Extra sunscreen, Vaseline that he'd packed. And suddenly, his body froze like a dog that has eyed a squirrel. (laughs) He reached through the trash and brought out a bag of cheese doodles, Generic brand. (laughs) not unlike Cheetos this is the sound of his discovery That is the sound of joy, (laughs) exuberance, gratitude. Gratitude for something simple, commonplace, something basic but essential. Today, Jesus tells us a story of gratitude, of gratitude for grace, simple yet essential grace. Traditionally, this story is known as the prodigal son. We all know that. That title was added on to the story thousands of years after Jesus told it. Jesus starts the story this way. There was a man who had two sons. We could easily call this story the man with two sons. That's probably a better title for for today. But just for today, let's give it a little bit of a subtitle. Three Perspectives on Gratitude. Three perspectives on gratitude. Whatever you call this story, you have probably heard it before, right? Am I right? Many of you have heard this story before. Pastor, author, preacher Timothy Keller says of this parable, if the teaching of Jesus were a lake, this would be the area with the clearest water where we can see all the way down. Let's dive into those waters. A man has two sons. One son asks for his inheritance early and goes off wandering. To be clear, this son is saying to his father, you're as good as dead to me. It is a huge insult In a culture where ties to family and land were your identity. The son deeply insults his father and runs off. He squanders his money. He ends up taking the only job he can get feeding pigs. Notice, this is a Jewish story told to Jews Pig feeding is as low and foreign as it gets. He has dishonored his culture and his God. And here he is, starving. He longs to eat even the food that the pigs eat. He remembers that his father's servants were always well fed. So he goes home, starving, beaten, penniless. But before he can get there, his father sees him and runs to him. He calls for a robe and a ring and a party. His son is alive and home. Okay. Let's pause right here and identify the common theme. Gratitude. Two forms of gratitude. There's the son who is welcomed back. This is gratitude for what you have, for what you have been given. Gratitude for unmerited windfall. There is grace, grace there in that gratitude. Like Alexander Gamin with the cheese doodles, the younger son exhibits gratitude for grace. But the story doesn't elaborate on the younger son. The story focuses on the father. The father whose son was lost. Dead. It is every parent's worst nightmare. This son was thought dead. He had cut his ties with his father, likely to die without ever seeing his father again. But his child is not dead. His child has come home. The father is overwhelmed with gratitude for restoration. Resurrection. It is gratitude not for what you have. But for something lost. This is the deeper grace. This is the real cheese doodles. It is time to party. Except, 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 except the older brother. Older brother gets home from a hard day of work after years of hard days of work, sees everyone partying, and when he hears why, he refuses to join them. Do you blame him? I would do that. Yeah. Sisters and brothers, we are the older brother. We live in the safety of our father's house. We enjoy the privileges of our heritage as Christians and Americans. However we got here, we abide in privilege. Often it's hard to acknowledge how much we have. When is the last time you screamed with joy when you found food? When is the last time you gave thanks for the water in your shower or thanked God for your toilet? When have you danced for your bed? Jumped with joy for your clothes? Or howled because you have a refrigerator and the internet? I say all this not to make you feel guilty, but to invite you to the party to invite you to come celebrate. To come to the party. Come celebrate what you have been given. Like those commonplace comforts, water, food, shelter, we are surrounded by a comfort much more profound and everlasting. It is grace, it is God's love, God's favor, unmerited and undeserved. Like we talked about last week, it is an everlasting party. A celebration of connection between God, neighbor, air, tree, sky, sun, moon, stars, galaxy, an ever-expanding universe stretching back to our ancestors and to all those who will come after us. At times, that grace may seem invisible, veiled by our privilege. All that is mine is yours. Takes the eyes of gratitude from those who have lost to see what we have. What kind of party is this? What is this Jesus party? What is this kingdom of God that we talk about? Back there, we have this, that sign, the, the, the American flag, and it's, it says, you know, in our America, in our America, love wins. In our America, we fight for the immigrant. In our America, uh, people are valued for who they are. And I, love, I love that poster. I love that poster. And I, but I also know that at various points in our history, the church has kept people from joining the party. We've kept people from joining the party on the basis of race and gender and sexual identity and so much more, and that's just recently. That history of exclusion is never over. I am certain there will be a point in the near future in which the church has a schism over who can join the party again. It's going to happen. It's still happening. It's always happening, right? We've seen it. We saw it two weeks ago. The brothers and sisters in UMC. The institution, the institutional church, is the older brother. I am the older brother, right? That is how Jesus frames this story. The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. The irony of our exclusion is that it. it is precisely those who have lost, those who have been excluded, who know grace best, know grace best who have lost. And it is those who have lost or been excluded who bring the life to our party. We talk about it a lot, and you know that John Donne, Uh, line that Hemingway borrowed, do not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Do not ask for whom the party is thrown. It is thrown for thee. It doesn't matter who is ungrateful or undeserving or unloving. It doesn't matter what you have lost. It doesn't matter who is or isn't. You know, part of this institution. We are all connected. We are all invited to live into that eternal connection, the eternal party. So come to the party. Come to the party. The party that welcomes the ungrateful, the dirty, the lost. Come welcome thieves and politicians. Come welcome everyone who has done you wrong. Come to the party. Everything that separated us is over. Come self righteous, come angry, come isolated, come achievers, purists, fundamentalists, come losers, beggars, and all you forgotten children of God. Pack your cheese doodles and come to the party. Amen.